Hey everybody and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast episode 68. This is a Monday rundown episode. Sean and I jumped right into the NBA and we had a hot one today with Anthony Davis and his team saying that he wants out of New Orleans and wants to be traded. So we talked about some possible destinations and we talked about a few other things when it comes to that. Following that, we talked about James Harden and how incredible he is. We went around the league and talked about what teams were surprising and what teams we were a little disappointed in. After that, we ranked our top five players in basketball through now for the season. Following that, we went into the MLB. We talked about the Hall of Fame that most recently happened. After that, we talked about a few guys that are controversial but we think should be in the Hall of Fame. Following that, we talked about the free agents that are still out there for about two seconds, not too long this time. Then we talked about a few free agent signings that actually happened. And after that, we wrapped it up with NCAA basketball. Sean will tell you at the end, no college football, and I'm not upset about it. So enjoy the pod. We will be back later in the week, but we don't know what day to talk about the Super Bowl. And have a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our Monday rundown. Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here with you. Tom, we got a lot to talk about thanks to Mr. Adrian Wojnarowski this morning. Yes, and Anthony Davis. I was going to say it's a little bit of a slow Monday, but no. Well, as of 7.30 this morning, uh, it became not slow at all. The news that has dominated the sports world this morning and the early part of this week as we gear up for Super Bowl 53 is taking place in the association. Yes, Anthony Davis... uh, the long projected rumor has finally come true. He has requested a trade um, that was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN this morning around 7:30, and um, we are, it, you can now start the ball rolling with where he could possibly go. I mean, the Lakers have felt like the destination all along. Uh, Rich Paul is his agent, and. Um, I'm just ready for something to happen. Obviously, he won't sign an extension in New Orleans. And then there was a report that said New Orleans has been preparing for this. They were blindsided by the timing, but not by the news. And this, you know, there's a lot of fallout with Davis, which we're going to get into right now. But I think this is the beginning of the end for for pro basketball in New Orleans, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's a little bit further down the line. Uh, The trade has to go through and everything. But if you lose a guy like this, I think they're going to be the Seattle Pelicans or probably the Supersonics again, but... Whatever they are, they're not going to be there. No. I mean, you can't lose a transcendent star like that. And and I do give the Pelicans credit. They have clearly done everything in their power to make them more convincing and give Davis more of a reason to stay. But at the end of the day, you're playing in an incredibly small market. You're a top five player, maybe top three player in the league right now. You want to win multiple championships. You want to be in a marquee area. You know, you're not going to do that in New Orleans. Uh, it's just not going to happen. As far as basketball is concerned, that's very much secondary. They like their, they love their Saints and they love their LSU Tigers. That's really it. So Tough week for New Orleans. Ooh, brutal, brutal. And uh, yeah, it's, it seems like it's only going to go downhill right now. So 
obviously the Lakers have been the long rumored destination for Davis and LeBron needs his superstar. Keep in mind real quick though, that Davis is not a free agent. His, his contract doesn't end until the end of next year. So the Pelicans can be pretty, you know, they can be selective with where they want to send him, but this may not happen until the summer may not happen until the summer, but obviously the longer you keep him, you risk the chance of him possibly getting hurt. He has had a checkered injury history. And his value, although he's probably one of the best players in the NBA and most talented, is going to go down just because you don't have him locked in for as long. Yeah, and of course we see this across all sports. Uh, Antonio Brown right now. I mean, Davis seems like he's a great guy, but you know, as he continues to lose and lose time you know, in his career and waste it away in a bad situation, he's going to grow more impatient to the point where he might become problematic and, and say he's not playing, and you might have a Kawhi Leonard situation on your hands where you're forced to give him up. So, Tom, let's start speculating, my man. Where's he going and when? I think he's going to the Lakers, and I think probably around the All-Star break. You think it's going to be that soon, huh? LeBron's pushing hard, and you know you're going to talk about tampering a little bit. They're not going to be able to prove anything, but we all know what's happening. It's one of those things where everybody knows, but there's no proof. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think LeBron right now has this team, including Rich Paul, who is his uh, Anthony Davis's agent, and that's LeBron's childhood best friend. Connect the dots there, doing everything they can to get him out to LA as soon as possible. Listen, I mean, as soon as he signed with Rich Paul. And, and that agency, it was a done deal. I mean, you heard Colin Coward, who's a pretty respected sports personality all over the NBA. He's, he's been saying, he, he's talked to people who said this is, was, this was a foregone conclusion two years ago. So it was really just a matter of when the Lakers have by, uh, you know, with the exception of the Celtics who can't make a deal till the summer because of Kyrie Irving's unless, contract situation, unless they renegotiate Ky- Ky- <clears throat> Kyrie Irving's deal. Yeah, but they're not going to do that in midseason. No, and they are also not confident that they're going to be able to sign Kyrie. Back. No, well, I I think that they I think that they are in first place for him, but I don't think that Danny Ainge, just given his track record, is going to offer a guy like that the max. But regardless, I've been, hearing, I've been you know my sources are telling me that oh, they're growing less and less confident that they're going to be able to re-sign him. Yeah, I think they're I think just he based made that off, guarantee in the press uh, in in the pep rally or whatever you want to call it at the beginning of the season. If you'll have me back. I'd love to come back, but I think things have changed a little bit. Yeah, things have gone south. This has not been the kind of season that the Boston Celtics envisioned, and and Kyrie's kind of been a little absent despite playing tremendous basketball. But going back to the task at hand with Anthony Davis, dude, I mean, unless they want to wait because Boston could offer a package centered around a Jason Tatum, the uh, number three protected pick this year from Sacramento, a Jalen Brown, a Terry Rozier, something like that, they're going to have a lot and future assets, of course, as well. They're so deep that they could use that. Maybe even if if it, if they had to a Gordon Hayward. Basically, everything's on the table for the Boston Celtics to offer. And I think if you ask the Pelicans, that's what they would prefer. But the their hand might be forced. So then you look over at the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, the they, problem with the Celtics is that the only way this deal gets done is one of two ways. They either trade Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis in that deal, or they have to renegotiate the deal with Kyrie Irving. And I don't think Davis is coming there until Kyrie Irving gives him signs on basically, you know, a, a word, a word of mouth contract saying I'm going to resign. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think he could want to go there anyway. But I, if it's given the situation, Supposedly he's going to the, he's out going to the he's Lakers. Not, he's not happy with how they're treating Kyrie, and he doesn't want to be there unless he is. Interesting. Well, I mean, regardless of how how much he feels, however he feels about the Boston Celtics at this time, to me is moot because I think it's Lakers or bust, as you said. The All-Star break is a bold statement, but things in the NBA accelerate very quickly, as we've seen both in-season and in the off-season. But the Los Angeles Lakers can offer Alonzo Ball, a Brandon Ingram, a Josh Hart, maybe a Kyle Kuzma. Von Zubak. Yep, and and as well as some future assets as well, which they're going to possess. I think that if if the Pelicans, it's in their best interest to do something sooner rather than later. And if probably see the the writing on the wall that they're just going to have to blow this thing up. And at that point, you can also use a Julius Randle, a Nikola Miritich, and any other kind of asset. Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew Holiday, of course, and trade them as well because they're going to be a lot more appealing once Davis's name is off off that team. So I definitely think it's the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think it's close. I don't even want to speculate on any other teams because I'd be shocked if he goes anywhere else, to be honest with you. There was a report today by Woj around 4.45 p.m. Eastern time that said that the Knicks are going to start preparing a package and an offer to, to send to New Orleans centered around a Kevin Knox, um, their first round pick this year, which will probably be in the top four, their first round pick next year, and then one of Mitchell Robinson, Alonzo Trier, and then and Frank Nielkina. I think, listen, from a Knicks fan's point of view, I think, one, the Pelicans are going to hang up the phone immediately when it comes to the talent that the Lakers have to offer, a little bit more polished talent. But from a Knicks fan's point of view... Trade everybody. Yeah. Throw James Dolan in the deal. <laughs> trade everyone on well, the Well, he would scene. have the money to keep them in New Orleans if that's what the people really want. And he can play his jazz. You know, jazz is very popular down True. there. True. So I, he can play his saxophone. Sean, and life you, is are, good. you are really making a lot of sense right now. I'm really smart. So <laughs> what we're going to do. So honestly, you know, so that was another, that was another one. What I want to do too is discuss about two or three other possible destinations that were floated out there today. And one was the Brooklyn Nets. I want no part of it, to be perfectly honest with you. As great as Anthony Davis is, and this is kind of my overarching part that I want to get your take on. I haven't talked to you about this off air. I just don't think a big is winning you a championship as the best player on a team. And no matter how great he is. I disagree with you. I think Anthony Davis is a different type of big. I think he can stretch the floor and he can be the best player on a championship team. The guy is insane, man. It's He's not the so point. good. When He's he played the good. Warriors last year, they got embarrassed. And they and they had a good team. They they took care and dispatched that was the just Portland Trailblazers. a much more talented team. But what I'm saying is, is if you look at how the league is going, it's stretch wings who can do everything in ball and, and but top tier guards. That's the point. He can put the ball on the deck. He can guard basically any position from shooting guard on, and he can knock down the three. But when he's making that kind of money that he's going to make, unless you already have a person in place like a LeBron James or a Kyrie Irving or something, he you're not going to be able to put the pieces around him. I just don't think Anthony Davis and and, th- and that's not to be, take away anything from Anthony I think Davis. That's be, more me with the position. I think this might be affecting you too. I just don't think 
as as great as everybody thinks he is, I don't think people people realize how great he is because he plays in New Orleans and you don't see him on national TV. Oh no, I'm the well, guy's a monster. I'm well aware of how great he is. I, He's the most talented power forward of all time. I'm not diminishing him. I'm diminishing the the overall position. Just looking at how the league is going. You've got LeBron who's dominated the league. He's not a big. You've got Kevin Durant. He's not a big. Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, all down the line. They're not bigs. It's just not how the league is run. But Davis doesn't play like a big. That's I know my he point. doesn't, but just... that's still that it's still a position where you could see I mean, how much more could he have dominated against a team like the Portland Trailblazers last postseason? He owned them. They had absolutely no answer for him. And then he went against the Golden State Warriors, and I know the Golden State Warriors are, are their own entity, but they they stretched the the Pelicans to the point where Davis basically he couldn't do ever he couldn't do anything outside of what he personally could do, which was a lot. And they said, "You take your forty points, and we're going to take away every other option that you have." And the the Pelicans were quickly dispatched. And I think that that's what you're looking at. If you put him on an Eastern Conference team right now, that team is the favorite to go to the finals. But I don't think they're ever beating a team that has a that has any kind of comparable. Well, I don't now. think they're ever beating a team that has what the Warriors have probably two MVP candidates and three and a half first yeah. team All NBAers. Yeah, and, I mean, and my and my take it's like you know how I feel about Saquon Barkley. You know, going over to football, I love Saquon. I think he's absolutely incredible. I don't think the running back position is a position, no matter how much he can do. Pass, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Well, catching it's the just ball a different. Out. It's a but different still, sport. It obviously, is, but for still, me. like he he can do everything more than just a prototypical running back can. But it's more devaluing the position. Anthony Davis is ball dominant and fantastic as he is, also as versatile as he is. I just don't look at him as a kind of player and say, yup, you're going to win in today's NBA. It's just not how today's NBA has been going. Well, we can agree to disagree on that one because I think if you get him out of New Orleans, obviously you need the pieces around you. Even the greatest players of all times, a la LeBron and Michael Jordan, still needed a Scottie Pippen to get a ring. LeBron still needed either a Dwayne Wade or a Bosch or a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Love and, and Cass to get a ring. So I think to put it to you this way, I think he can be by far the best player on a championship team. It's just about the pieces you put around him. Yeah, I think if he goes to the Lakers, he's fine because LeBron, he doesn't need to be the best player on the team anymore. If he has Anthony Davis, he's fine. You know, like he he can be Again, himself. Again, the other thing you, you got really got to look at is aside from Drew Holiday and Julius Randle and Miritich when he's healthy, that's a bad team. Etwan Moore had a fun little bit there where he was knocking Solomon out Solomon Hill. That team's bad. Yeah, I mean they're not great. They should be better than what they are. Like, well, yeah, they're, they're like the worst team in the, the league. Their talent right now. should definitely be better. Um, I mean, or their record should be better based off the talent they have. They're, they're in 13th place. Yeah, in the they're Western not. Conference. They're not a juggernaut by any stretch. But that's a team that should be better, especially when Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. You know, that's not a team. If you, that's not the current New York Knicks. You know, that's not the current Cleveland Cavaliers. That has. There are some all stars on that team and some good players. I mean, if Anthony Anthony Davis, that team should be better. And to me, as I'm looking and say, if you're a top three player in the league, this should be a playoff team. Yeah, I, that's, I'm, I'm that's, in agreement That's there. my argument. And, and it's not to so take many anything players, away from him, but they should be better than they are. And to go around the league now, because I think, you know, that's that's pretty much all you can say about Anthony Davis. We're going to have to wait and see where he goes. I just think the Lakers are in, inevitable. It's 
more of a when than a where he's going. But you really think the all-star break, huh? Yeah, I I think because, you know, one day Kyrie Irving asked for a trade, and then before you know it, he's on the Celtics. These things go like that in the NBA. Yeah. Even the signings, I mean, we're going to talk about the MLB later, and I guess we'll just drop that nobody signed pretty much since the last time we spoke, aside from a few players. You don't see that in the NBA. It's like a week. No, they go fast. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, if you look around the league and you talk about a top three, who is the top three players in the NBA right now? I mean, when you look at teams, we'll go up and down the Eastern and Western Conference. You got the Bucks at number one. Giannis is out of his mind. The Raptors at number two. Pacers at number three, but they're going to fall out. Yeah. Unfortunately, Victor Oladipo suffered. Awful injury. I don't know. Something with his It was a torn quad tendon. That's... That's a sig- that is a about as significant of an injury as you can possibly suffer. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's awful. So when's he going to be back to 100 percent? I I I mean, you're. I don't think he'll ever have the same level of explosiveness. I mean, that kind of injury, it's so rare to see, but it's so it's so catastrophic to a guy like Oladipo who uses that explosiveness to really dominate his game. I think he'll come back, and I think he'll be a very good player in the league, but you will never see the Victor Oladipo that we have right now. Just Sucks. knowing just knowing just what getting... that injury is, there's never been a case of somebody coming back to full strength with that thing. That one's tough because he was just kind of figuring out how good he could be. Yeah, and, um, and one of the most likable guys in the league. Yeah, absolutely, and he could sing really well too. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know. Great singer. Well, so just make sure that Dolan doesn't get a hold of him. True. He might end up in the jazz band. So number four is the Sixers. They're with the Jimmy the Jimmy Butler saga right now. This is ridiculous. It's, we don't even really have to talk about that. Five Celtics. We've wrist issue. About, we had, we should discuss that real quick. Wrist issue, and God knows when he when he's coming back. That team's a soap opera and a half. Yeah, and it already was with the dramatic guys they have there. Number five, the Celtics. They're gonna round into form. I just have too much confidence. We keep in the saying coach. that though. I, I know, but. One I mean, of your listen, sports fathers. You're, you can't post go all star break. I think they're gonna go on a tear. Number six, your Brooklyn Nets. My Brooklyn Nets. You excited about that? Of course I am. I love this team. I, I mean, would be too. Right now, though, I mean, this is this next stretch is gonna. Is What's your gonna head coach's him. name? I'm just gonna ask Kenny you, Kenny Atkinson. Atkinson. I thought so. Doing a great job. He is. I mean, right now they just lost Spencer Dinwiddie for three to six weeks with torn ligaments in his thumb. He had successful surgery today. That's the same injury Clint Capella suffered. This is I so mean, he's out what like a month? Yeah, I mean they're gonna catch a break with that week off for the All Star break, but he, the guy's been playing so well, and basically him or Russell score thirty a night. I mean they've already lost Levert, uh, Alan Crab hasn't has hardly played. Jared Dudley's on the shelf with a hamstring. Um, their first rounder Musa was just reassigned to the G League to get some rehab reps in after a shoulder sprain. Hollis Jefferson's been in and out of the lineup. I mean right now they're they're playing. With Theo Pinston getting big minutes, with Alan Williams getting minutes, with Trevion Graham getting big minutes. So that's going to have me ask you, the, <clears throat> since we're on the Brooklyn Nets, it's going to have me ask you the question. There was a guy in the garden yesterday watching D. Oh, I'm so happy you asked the, this. In there, in, uh, in street clothes. Yep. What do you think about Mello going to the Brooklyn Nets? I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I told you this last week off the air. This is the perfect spot for him right now in the short term. See, the thing with the Brooklyn Nets is I think they've already caught the eye of everybody in the league. And um, I think that he's done a lot to, or they've done a lot to say, we're a, we're a marketable team and we're going to, we're going to challenge for some free agents. Like they're going to get meetings with the big guys, like for sure. So whether they sign, I don't know, but they're going to get some meetings. 
and their their turnaround has been incredible given the fact that they haven't had draft picks and they've been abysmal. But you also can't now try to mortgage your future again like they did the last time when they started to get good and go for the Pierce and Garnett. I know those guys were aging, but they were that was supposed to be big. Darren Williams gave up on him. We know the story. They need a guy who they're paying nothing to that's not going to shake up. They don't have to give up assets for. They don't have to give up valuable pieces for. I don't want to see Joe Harris go, Damari Carroll, any of those guys leave. This team, at least right now. They're not going to win the East. They're not going to win a championship. But they, if they get healthy, they could win a first round. For sure, if they get the right matchup. Wow. So, especially if they play... if they play, Sean going from saying they play, they're going to be the eighth seed to saying they're going to win a first-round well, first playoff thing, if matchup. That's, if they're healthy. If, if, if they don't get healthy, then you know they're going to fall out of playoff contention because this lineup right now is no good. So, Carmelo Anthony makes so much sense on this team. He's They have guys that have no ability to score if they're on the floor right now outside of D'Angelo Russell and Joe Harris. Get Carmelo in there. Let him play that quote-unquote Olympic mellow where he can get hot for five or seven minutes. Play the only with the problem second with that unit. is he doesn't want to be Olympic mellow. Well, you know what? Right now, I think he's humbled because nobody wants him. The Chicago Bulls just took him, and the Houston Rockets paid them a million dollars to take him. So... And the and the Rockets don't have money, so for the Bulls to just say we don't for the Rockets to say we don't want you, and the Bulls to drop drop them. Now you're becoming a Dwight Howard in the league. And if you want to have any kind of way to prove to the league that you can still play and get a one year deal somewhere, go play in New York City where you've wanted to be. Just go across the bridge, play with a team that is in playoff contention. You're paying him the league minimum, and let him get hot on a couple of nights. He doesn't need to fit in great, and as the regulars start coming back, you start phasing him out, phasing him out a little bit, and maybe in a postseason series, he can hit a you know get a game where he gets hot. I'm not saying it's a perfect situation. I don't really love Melo, but he's the perfect guy in this situation for the Brooklyn Nets, so that they don't have to trade assets to get a guy that's going to help you preserve the six seed. I think their hard work is done. They've caught in some awful breaks with Levert and Dinwiddie and some other guys, Crab and. Um, and Dudley, who laugh if you want, but they've been integral parts to helping this team be five games over 500. So uh, that's my case for Carmelo Anthony to the Brooklyn Nets. I can't believe I'm saying it. I don't think it's going to happen. I just I, this regime doesn't want the circus, and it would be a circus. But well, I'm in agreement with from you, a man. basketball standpoint. You convinced me. Outside of the Lakers, I think it's the Lakers and the Nets. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, it makes sense. You can't tell me it doesn't. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you there, my friend. Um, moving on after that, it's seven Heat, eight Hornets. B- Pistons are in there. Blake Griffin's having a great season, but that team is terrible. Andre Drummond, what a waste of money. He's awful. He All he is is rebounds. He can't shoot. He has no post moves. He doesn't run the floor well. I don't know what he's good I for. I think Joel Embiid just got in his head, man, and he's just he hasn't been the same. I mean, he's, I thought he was awful. a guy you could really build around, especially – Adding Coming the, from the guy who's saying the big man's dead. Well, I thought you could build around him. I didn't say they'd win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wizards Wizards down to number 10. Orlando Magic are floundering at 20 and 30. Number 11, Hawks. Wow, they're only the 12 seed. They're starting to win games. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for them because I don't think they want to. But no matter who they play, they're playing pretty well. They are playing pretty well. But you know what? I think it's showing that Trey Young was a good draft pick. He's not... He's not uh, 
uh, Luka Doncic, and that's a mistake that they'll always live with. But Trey Young has played well, yeah, and they've and John gotten John Collins. John has Collins well. has been awesome, and they've gotten Huter as well, the uh, guy out of Maryland. Yeah, and they've gotten some good contributions from their veterans, including the ageless one, Vince Carter, and Ken Bazemore. So favorite player of all time, Vince Carter. He's great. Um, after that, we have the Chicago Bulls at 13, and then in the basement we have the Knicks at 14 and the Cavs at 15. Both knotted up with 10 wins. Um, that's going to be a race to see who finishes first. I have order. to tell if you If the this. Cavs get another fucking lottery pick, I'm I'm done. I have to tell you this. I was watching the Nets-Knicks game on Friday, and I was so upset because I couldn't shit-talk you or any of the Knicks fans because it's like, the Nets played such a sloppy, disgusting brand of basketball and won by 10. And it was like, I know it's in your best interest for the Knicks to lose. So I can't oh, yeah. be like, wow, that was that was so embarrassing. For, for That's Knicks what you games, want. For Knicks games, like last night, I'll give you an example. I watched maybe five minutes of the game. Right after D-Wade came in, I turned it off. I do that on every game now. I'll see three straight possessions where they'll where where someone will pull up for a three and brick it. And I'll be like, all right, I'm done. I'm on to the next thing. Yeah, it, it's horrible, but you know what? It's the best thing for the team right now. So let's go over to the Western Conference. The Warriors are seated atop where they belong at God, number one, good. and they look incredible with Boogie Cousins. And I know you wanted to talk about that Celtics game where Boogie Cousins played in it, so why don't you go ahead and tell us? It was an awesome game to watch. The Celtics matched them basically throughout. They got huge contributions from Tatum. Kyrie had a night, and Baines played super well too. There's just no... There's nobody that the Celtics played about their best game and the Warriors played probably their B or B plus game. They played really well, but they had some turnovers. Boogie was incredibly selfless with the ball. And I think that he knows that on this team, he can absolutely do that. And he made some absolute dime passes. This team is absolutely unbeatable. Unbeatable. Yeah. And Steph went nuts. I think he hit four threes in a row in the second quarter doing his little shimmy. The, there's no way you can stop this team. There's no way. Yeah, that that's all you have to say is you can't stop this team. Number two, still sitting up there is the Denver Nuggets, and they've been having a great year. And um, honestly, he's not really recognized as it, but he's one of the best players in the league, and that's Jokic. He's an awesome player. He's an absolutely. absolutely fantastic player. Number three is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Russell Westbrook has been having an up-and-down year, really, really low field goal percentage. Paul George is incredible. He's playing like an MVP, huh? Absolutely. He's back. And after this segment, I'm probably going to give you my top five players in the NBA. Okay. And he will be in there. Awesome. Uh, after that, number four, surprisingly, is the Portland Trailblazers. They've been sticking around. And um, the not the not Jokic, Jokic yep. has been playing amazing Nurkic. for them. Nurkic, I'm sorry, whatever. One of those names. Give me some... Uh, that's not a name. Thing. No, that's no, no. That confusion. I can't give you shit for. Yeah, they've been great. McCollum's been playing really they'll well. They'll maybe win well a first-round series, and then they'll be out. Yeah, we said that last year, and they got smoked by the That's Pelicans. why I said maybe They're this not time. built for the playoffs. No, they're all. not. You can't have no big man. And I know you're I know you're a big man hater, but... I'm not a hater. Um, I'm just saying that you're 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 not winning in this league as, as is currently constituted with your no, big being your best player. And they're... And they're the problem with the Trailblazers is both of There's their... There's a lot of great bigs in this league, and they're all versatile, too, especially yeah. the great ones. I mean, look how good Jokic is, but again... Look how good Nugget, Boogie is. Yeah, the Nuggets... I mean, what is Boogie won? And and and, and I'm not going to see Jokic hoist, hoisting the, uh, the championship trophy this year. I'm just not. Yeah, no, you're not. Number five, this is the most incredible story of anything ever I've seen in sports in a long time. 
probably of an over exaggeration, but the Houston Rockets are number five. Well, with their second best player right now being although CP3 came back often, Austin Rivers, and I wonder who their best player is. Listen, James Harden. He's absolutely incredible, and you're giving me a smirk like I don't like James Harden. I don't like watching that style of basketball, but I'm not taking anything away from What he's doing right now is historically great. And from the last time we talked on the pod, and I understand we went a little long on that, he's gotten even better. I know. It's crazy. Well, now Chris Paul's back, and I'm very interested to see how that dynamic goes. I don't know. They should obviously keep it rolling, if you ask me. You just can't win in the playoffs playing like this. You can't. He's going to be burnt out by, by April. I don't know. He looks in really good shape. He's been staying out of the strip clubs. Good for him. <laughs> T- tell me in May and June when he's won something. Um, number six, this team's been on the come up lately, and that's the Spurs. I mean, they're they're the New England Patriots of the NBA. Gotta you can trust, never, gotta trust the infrastructure. You can never count them out, and DeMar DeRozan is playing great. Imagine what they would be with Murray. Oh, man. They, they'd probably be a top four seed. After that, we have the Utah Jazz, another team that's been on the come up lately. D'Angelo Russell's been playing really well. No, 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 Gobert. that's Donovan M- Mitchell. D'Angelo Russell has been playing really well, but he's on my Brooklyn Nets. Oh, sorry. I appre- no, you're you're a Nets lover now, and and maybe I you'll am. convert when you realize that the Knicks are totally done for. But no, you're talking about Donovan Mitchell. That a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> come Donovan on across Mitchell the bridge, man. Has been playing great of recent as well. Joe Harris. Love him. Joe Harris is also on the Nets. No, not Joe Harris. What's this his face? This is awesome. This <laughs> What's is his so face? The, good. The guy, Joe Ingles. Jesus Christ almighty. He's a Brooklyn Nets fan, guys. You heard it here yeah. first. Um, so after that, we have the L.A. Clippers hanging around there in the eighth seed. Oh, Jesus Christ. The L.A. Lakers are – I can't believe I didn't notice because I hadn't mentioned them yet. Are the Los Angeles Lakers even a playoff team right now? They're the ninth seed. No, they're not. Right. This is insanity, and they're just above 500. Right behind them is the L.A. Kings. After that, you have Sacramento Kings. The L.A. Kings are a hockey team. I'm having a terrible <laughs> night. People can really make fun at my expense You're tonight. reading off a list, dude. Jesus How do you get Christ. this wrong? T-Wolves after that. Mavericks, you know, I'm Donchers so sorry that you've all had to hear this. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans are 13th, which... We already stated. I am by far the best co-host because I've allowed, I've segued for you and bailed you out like five times. In I the definitely, last I seconds. definitely appreciate that. And as CEO, I'll have to have my team look into getting you a raise. Yeah. Um, Pelicans are at thirteen, which we and you can both agree that they should probably be a top eight seed. No, probably they, they should be better. Yeah. Uh, fourteen for the Grizzlies. They had a little fun in the sun earlier this year, but that ended real fast. What um, are they doing with Marcus Chandler Parsons? They they are, they have to buy. They basically asked him to leave the I'm, team. Are they going to buy him out or what? I'm more concerned with what they're doing with guys that are actually of value, and that's Mike Conley and Marc Gasol. Gasol got off to a raging start, and he was looking like an all star. Now he's gone down to like eleven. Nine. Another versatile, skilled big man that you're not going to win with. Oh, come on. He's not even fucking close to Anthony Davis. Not saying that he not is. Not even the same stratosphere. Phoenix Suns rounded it out at 15. At a time, he was one of the best big men in the game. Okay, whatever, Sean. You just want to be right so bad. Get over yourself. Well, I, um, I clearly can't go any worse than what you just gave us. So. No, that was abysmal, and I'm sorry for that. But listen, I'm just living up to my name that I probably don't even know at this point. <laughs> um, so why don't we go over our top five players in the NBA so far? Because it's pretty much all-star break. We're yeah, we're right like there. three February, weeks, yeah, February, three weeks right? out. Yeah. That's Valentine's Day is right around the All-Star break. Um, Trade deadline's uh, next Thursday. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I forgot they do it before the Fe- All-Star February break. February 7th. Visit. Yeah, yeah. Which, well, it's gotten early now because the season starts so much earlier. Yeah, so 
Honestly, if I were to go top five players in the NBA, I would probably say Kevin Durant five, Steph Curry four, Giannis three, the way he's been playing lately, Paul George two, and number one is Mr. I, James, James Harden. Harden. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, do, any disagreements with my list? Because LeBron's out, so let's take him out of the picture. Yeah, since LeBron's not playing, we're going to go right now, and we're going to go active players who are actually on the court. So for you, it's Joe Harris, D'Angelo yeah, Russell, Russell <laughs> and then uh, and then their West Coast sides of uh, Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> no, you clown. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go here. I'm looking at I'm looking at KD five just based off this year, and I think wherever he goes, he's gonna be back. He up could to be one five. He could be one. He could yeah. be two. Any day. It's different. I think just with that, how deep that team is, I'm gonna go Steph at four as well, just because of the season he's having. He's actually the MVP of that team, um, for sure. At uh, at three, I'm gonna go Paul George. I really like. I mean, how could you go against anything he's done this year? For the Oklahoma City to be three. Now, Russell Westbrook has played up and down, as you've alluded to. He's had some incredibly high moments and some very low moments. But um, that tandem is actually working out over in OKC. I don't know how long it'll hold up, but Paul George is playing like an MVP candidate. Number two, I'm going Giannis. I absolutely love Giannis. He's, he, I was watching that game against the Thunder last night. You just cannot stop anything that he does. And if he can just learn to get a little more consistent with a jump shot, the sky's the limit for this guy. And obviously right now, number one, you cannot possibly disagree with it, is James Harden. He has single-handedly kept his team afloat in the playoff race, where, as you said, the second best player on that team is Austin Rivers, who has been on three different teams this year, this being his third. It's absolutely unbelievable what he's done. Now, he doesn't play a lick of defense, and he has to score 65 points a night and shoot the ball you know, 40 times to win. But if that's what they need to do to win, then that's what they need to do to win. It's January. It's almost February. He cannot sustain this. Nobody can. He's If, if the Rockets are going anywhere, they need Chris Paul to come back and play like Chris Paul. But right now, as of January 28th, 2019, Jim Harden. I love that. Jimmy Harden. Jimmy Harden. Love it, man. Love it. It's so, going to be So me and you had the same top player, five, really. and I kind of expected that. I, I also expected you to flip-flop PG and, and uh, Antetokounmpo. But, I mean, that's that's just – it's just a little disagreement. But, I mean, who cares? That's semantics yeah, at that exactly. point. They're semantics. each top three players to us at this time. Absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up the NBA. Um Good talk there about the about the top five players, but let's move on to the MLB, and we're going to talk about the 2019 Hall of Famers. So basically, you have the greatest—I don't want to say baseball player of all time—but at his, at his position, he is head and shoulders, feet, shoes, whatever above every other player that has ever played his position, and that's Mariano Rivera. Finally, nobody was an asshole. And they voted him in unanimously, 100%. I don't think he should have been even close to the first player voted in unanimously, but he is. Well, that's not the point. The point is now is that, like you said, there's finally no asshole voted against him because of this stupid kind of unwritten laws. We know baseball is a sport of unwritten laws and rules that somebody that nobody else can get in because Babe Ruth wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer or Joe DiMaggio. Who gives a shit if they were or not? Obviously, they should have. They're but in no, the Hall. Who cares? But nobody should hold that against them. The question is, 
when you watch Mariano Rivera pitch, is he a first, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he the greatest to ever do it at that position? The answer is unequivocally yes. Move on and put it for yes. The guy who who writes for I believe the Boston Globe who wanted to who who didn't want to put him in was finally basically ordered to because it would have been a joke and because now that ballots are revealed in public. Shocker, he wrote, writes for the Boston Globe. I wonder who he roots for. Yeah, exactly. Asshole. So You're not welcome on the pod. No, get off. Um, but now the fact that the ballots are made public, how are you going to be the one sports writer to say – or baseball writer, rather. No, he, he. I didn't vote for him because listen, because Babe Ruth didn't get in and Ty Cobb didn't. Weren't fuck unanimous. Boston. Fuck the Red Sox. And I'm sick and tired of hearing this talk about how A Rod took steroids because you guys are fucking sucking off David Ortiz like he didn't do anything and sucking off Manny Ramirez who's been caught with steroids. Fuck Boston. Let's move on to the next guy that got into the Hall well, of Fame. Well, real quick, I just want to finish up on Mo and just say this, right? It, it, I'm glad that it was unanimous because finally sense was made. And I think that the best thing that they've done now is make sure that the that the writers have to make the votes public because honestly, I think it's reprehensible if you don't have a reason and you're just holding on to some stupid law that's been passed down oh, yeah, over course. the years because you should have your credentials stripped from you if you do that. You you're not setting a precedent. You're not doing something that's bold. You're doing something that's stupid and and taking away integrity from the game. So the most perfect pitcher of all time finally got voted in. And, and, you know, being the first unanimous, that's all semantics too. It doesn't mean that he's the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball. It means that finally when a, a near perfect player came around, nobody could say, nope, he, I, I'm leaving him off the ballot. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think Jeets gets in as unanimous? No, not even not close. And the reason, too, is, is for Jeter. Now, what's funny about Rivera was not a single time in his career did he lead the AL in saves. Not once. But you got to remember a lot of those Yankee teams, they were bludgeoning, you know, opposing opposing teams. And he would always be steady and, and have one or two blown saves a year, but close out 36 of 38 or something. And obviously the postseason is another another world of his own. He's thrown 79 innings in the postseason. And literally there has been more people, there have been more people that have walked on the moon than have scored off Rivera in the postseason. One of my favorite ba- uh, sports stats of all time. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, by himself. Derek Jeter, as great as he was, and I think I think him being a Yankee and winning so often early in his career and being so rock steady and stable and iconic helped him. Yes, he has the 3,000 hits. Yes, he has the gold gloves. Yes, he has the championships, the All-Star Game MVP, the World Series MVP, and the like. But you can make a legitimate case, and I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. He was never the best shortstop in a single season in the in the in Major League Baseball. He was never the best shortstop on the Yankees. Right. So for for you know when he when he was I hate winning, to tell you. yeah when he was winning all praise be a god right when he was winning I mean A Rod was playing in Seattle and Texas Garcia Parra had about two or three years in in Boston you had Ray Ordonez with the Mets and then you had Jose Reyes come about with the Mets when he burst upon the scene I mean there have been a lot of great shortstops in baseball and and Jeter was just rock steady and and obviously there were very few people you'd rather have come up to the plate in a big situation. The Mr. November moment, the flip play, a lot of his postseason prowess has been reflected in how great. I think he'll get 90, 92% of the votes. He'll be in on the first He's ballot. also a legend off the field. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, come on. Class act. Jessica 
trifecta too. So. Oh, I mean, you should the just they have a um they have a thing like the Derek Jeter gift basket. Yeah, no. Read I those would, stories oh, if you I haven't already. Those. So let's move on to the next guy, and this is a former teammate of him, and that's Mike Mussina. I think the numbers were there for him. Oh my God, he absolutely deserved to be in. I mean, there he was 120 games over 500. There's never been another pitcher that never that was 100 games over 500 that wasn't in the Hall. I of don't fame. believe he ever won a World Series, but never I mean, won a World is a Series. Different basketball is more of the. You know, Charles Barkley gets made fun of for not having a ring, and Malone, and and all these other guys. But baseball and football, it's more of a team. Well, thing. look back at the 1997 playoffs when Mike Mussina was a Baltimore Oriole. He beat Randy Johnson twice in a five-game series against the Mariners, and he pitched to a 1.0-something ERA in the ALCS against the Indians, basically doing everything he could to propel the Orioles to the World Series. And if you want, everybody talks about the Aaron Boone game, and then you can segue over to Mariano Rivera in that Game 7 of the 03 ALCS, pitching the three innings of scoreless relief before Boone hit the home run. Well, Mike Mussina bailed out Roger Clemens and pitched three and a third shutout innings, including getting out of a bases-loaded no-out jam when the game was on the brink. So some people call that the Aaron Boone game. Some people call that the Mariano Rivera game. You could very make a case that that was also the Mike Mussina game. Absolutely. And he was the he pitched his entire career in the AL East when he was an Oriole. It was four four times when the Yankees won World Series and then he moved over to the Yankees and pitched when the Boston Red Sox were winning or were in the ALCS three times in the playoffs almost every year and winning two World Series. He pitched in the best division, he pitched in the height of the steroid era in the AL East pitching in Camden Yards in Yankee Stadium and his numbers were incredible. So absolutely Mike Mussina some people say he was never the best pitcher in his starting rotation. I would disagree with that with some of those Orioles staffs. And also, he was one of the most dependable Yankees. When Andy Pettit left, he was the guy you wanted to give the ball to in a big spot. So he deserved to be in. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the next guy, and speaking of Mariano Rivera again, this is a guy that um, kind of is synonymous with Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, because nobody owned Mo. But if there's a, there was anybody that you would tell me who who's going to get a hit off Mariano. It was Edgar Martinez. And Mariano would tell you that himself, I bet. 595, I think, career lifetime against Mariano Rivera. Yeah, the guy, he was just a machine. He was a hitting machine. He was like Pujols before Pujols. He, was the, he is the best designated hitter. And obviously you put David Ortiz, and probably because of the postseason accolade, you would put Ortiz ahead of and him. And I love David Ortiz, and I think he's clutch. And as much as a Yankee fan can love David Ortiz, I do. I just made that comment before because I'm I'm tired. Yeah, it's the I, fan I, the, base the for Patriots sure. are in the Super Bowl. I'm sick to my fucking stomach. It's awful. It's awful. But you know, Ortiz gets a lot of the love because of what he did in the postseason. Edgar Martinez always had really good postseason series too. Just the Mariners could never quite get over that hump, and no. they were running into the machine that was the Yankees and uh, and some other teams in their path as well. But I mean. My argument would be, why did it take so fucking long? The I don't care if the National League, the senior circuit, as you like to call it, is not adaptive of the designated hitter and likes and finds it fun for the pitcher to bat and hit 082 or hit two home runs and be considered and get injured. fun. Right. What if that's what you want to do and that's what the baseball purists say? I'm sorry, I'm a baseball purist too. Get rid of the pitcher. If the American League, which has 15 teams in it, decides that the designated hitter is a legitimate rule, which it has been for going on 50 years, 
then why is the best one up until David Ortiz not been in the Hall of Fame? Oh, because he doesn't play a position. I'm sorry. There's a lot of terrible fielders that have to play in the National League that are forced to play a position. I'm sorry. Was Barry Bonds a Hall of Fame out, a Hall of Fame outfielder in his last six years in San Francisco? I was going to say he was pretty good on Pittsburgh. Uh, not, in the early not, not from '04 through '07. He no. wasn't so. And a lot of those guys. So uh, He's not in the Hall of Fame either. No, he's not. And we'll get to that in a minute. But absolutely, Edgar Martinez belonged in. If You, you, you can't talk about this, the history of that position without talking about Edgar Martinez. And to me, that constitutes a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. So the final guy that was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year is, the, um, is Roy Holiday. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, seriously. That, it's such a tragic story. You know, a little over a year ago now, he... He uh, crashed his plane and passed away. Um, I believe it was near Florida. But I tell you what, if you want to talk about a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word, one of the one of the best clubhouse guys, one of the nicest guys, and also on top of that, he was the greatest. He was the best pitcher in baseball, not just in the AL or NL, for about five years when yeah, he, was he was with nasty. the Blue Jays and then went over to the Phillies. That combination of the cutter, the sinker, and that overhand curveball. You know, he pitches the no-hitter in, in game one of the division series against the Reds in 2010, his first postseason start. What he did with the Blue Jays, just carving up lineups like the Yankees and Red Sox like it was nothing. Uh, perennial all-star. The guy, you can't talk about mid-2000s into the early 2010s without talking about Roy Halladay. Absolutely. The guy was nasty. And he's going in without a without a cap. Um his wife, uh, his widow now, um, mentioned that she didn't want to disrespect either the Blue Jays or the Phillies organization. I don't think Messina is and either. Messina's not either because he said, you know, they, both the Orioles and Yankees meant a lot to them. I think a lot of fans get more caught up in the cap than you should. It's the only sport where you go in with a cap or with a jersey. You don't do that in the NFL or in the or in the NBA. So I think that's a whole bunch of nonsense. But, yeah, I think— Didn't Winfield go in as a Padre? I think so, yeah, because like they the baseball <laughs> was like, yeah, you need to, you need, yeah, the Padres need a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this was the best Hall of Fame vote that we've had in a long Not time. Not to mention Wade Boggs went in as a Devil Ray, which is the best story. Yeah, that's that's awesome. They're like, please, this team is actually a well, real. Well, they thing. paid we him to, a lot. Yeah, so. of course, but no, I think the Hall of Fame got this absolutely right. I don't think they needed more than four four candidates to get in. They picked four people that you cannot argue against, especially after that mockery that the seniors, um, what was it, the senior writers or whatever it was that put in um, Harold Baines, you know, in, or in November. The fact that Harold Baines is going to share a stage with some of these guys is, to me, a complete and utter joke. Because if, if Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, then you know what? So is Bernie Williams. So is Paul O'Neill. So are a lot of those guys. Jorge Posada. So are a lot of guys that you think are really, really good, but not were never great. Harold Baines. I mean, I, I you'd have to look up his stats, and they're and they're very good. You can easily tell the story about the A's and the and the uh, and the White Sox without talking about Harold Baines. No, and the, no offense to him, very good player, but you're not a, a Hall of, of Famer. There's a lot of players in the Hall of Fame that really shouldn't be in there. It's become very oversaturated, but. These guys definitely deserve to be in there. 
Um, were you disappointed that Kurt Schilling didn't get in? Uh, no. Although I am, I am one of those guys though, that I, I do separate what you did on the field and also who you are as a person. He's a bad guy. His politics are so backwards and what he supposedly says are Trump, terrible. Supposedly Trump tweeted out that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that. Utterly period. hilarious. I'm glad that during a government shutdown, he had time to voice his opinion on the Hall of Fame. But um, I will say that Kurt Schilling was one of the best. He was one of the best postseason pitchers. Obviously, the bloody stock game, what he did um, in Arizona in Arizona against the Yankees and, and, and his whole run there. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. There's no doubt about it. Not a Hall of Fame person. And I don't want to hear him speak. But if you're just talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is supposed to be a museum and commemorate the best players to ever do it, Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And speaking of two of the best players to ever do it, Clemens and Bonds are creeping closer, but they are still not in. Here's my opinion on these steroid age players. Clemens and Bonds would have gotten in regardless of steroids, in my opinion. They were two of the they are two of the greatest players of all time, pitching and hitting. I think guys that are on the cusp of the Hall of Fame, a la a Sammy Sosa, maybe a Mark McGuire, a few others, I don't think those guys deserve to get in because their games were elevated by steroids, and I think that kind of pushed them over the edge and made them better play, better players. Guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens would have been in in anyways. And that's why I feel that they should be in. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, and I think that's the case a lot of people have made. I mean, they were Hall of Fame players prior to their, you know, change in body type and and performance, especially as they got older, they seemed to get better. And and you know what, too, is that I'll go a little deeper than that. Baseball is a game that is been major league baseball is a game that has been played for over 120 years, actually longer than that, about 140 years. There have been many eras in across major league baseball. And, you know, you hear this Adam Ottavino, newly acquired Yankee saying he could strike out Babe Ruth every time he came up. Who will leave that argument aside because who actually knows? And if you really want to get into semantics, we could have a four hour conversation about that. But what I will say is this eras are totally different. Babe Ruth played an era where pitchers pitched until their arms fell off. There were no specialty relievers. Oh, also there were no African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, anybody of diversity other than white that were able to play in baseball. There was also a lot lesser teams, so the competition was incredibly watered down. We don't take anything away from Babe Ruth, and we shouldn't. He's a great player. But baseball had a steroid era. That's what it was. And there were some people that did it better than others. There were some people that used it for injuries. There were some people that used it to enhance their performance. And there was everybody else in between. Some athletes like a Roger Clemens, a Barry Bonds used it and they just got better and they seemed to be better with age. Some people did it like an Andy Pettit. Let's put it this way. The reason that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds aren't in is because they were assholes and they were dicks. I think we're starting to finally weem away from seeing that the fact that, okay, you just did steroids, it's out of discussion. They're starting to gain traction. As the older writers get out and the newer writers come in, you can't tell the story of Major League Baseball without talking about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. And the Baseball Hall of Fame can't be hypocritical and keep Roger Clemens' 3,000 strikeout ball and Barry Bonds' 756th home run ball in the museum and then tell them that they don't belong in. Either take it all out and try to tell the story without it, or but don't none of this asterisk stuff. To me, growing up, but also being a fan of the game and a historian of the game, put them in. They're two of the best to ever do it at their positions, 
Ask any of their opponents when Roger Clemens was 19 years old or 42 years old. He was as dominant as anybody ever was. Barry Bonds, same thing. I don't know if, if you have anything more to say about that, but I, I feel very strongly about that. And you know what? Alex Rodriguez should be in. You're not telling the story about Major League Baseball without Alex Rodriguez. And David Ortiz has to be in too. Absolutely. And like you said, baseball went through eras. The dead ball era, there were times where people would throw enhanced balls, nail files on the ball, spitballs, rosin, you name it. I mean, that's not steroids, but that's a form of enhancing your game as well. Um, people were taking greenies, amphetamines back in the 60s, the, the 70s, 60s and 80s, 70s. Yeah. You know, they, they, you hear guys like um, either Strawberry or something saying you would take an amphetamine and then shotgun a beer and you would be locked in. I mean, and that's not steroids to the extent, but anything that perf- enhances your performance, this shit has been going on for forever. Yeah, oh, 100%. So my point is, is that nobody's nobody's a thousand percent perfect so who cares my thing is guys like sammy sosa that probably wouldn't have gotten in rafael palmero guys like that rafael palmero story is hilarious by the way supposedly he's trying to make a comeback um i don't think they belong in the yankees signed rafael palmero to a minor league contract did they no um but Guys that are, like you said, that you have to write the history about that that just fill their Wikipedia pages are 20, 20 pages long with accomplishments. They belong in the Hall yeah, of Yeah, listen, you can, you can talk. And when I say you can't tell the story about baseball, which means they belong in. What I'm talking about more is that mixed with that kind of with the sustained success and the pure dominance for a long period of time. Sammy Sosa was a home run hitter that was tainted, that did it tainted. Yes, you can talk about 1998 and his historic run from like 97 to 2002. Absolutely. That doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of great players that did that. And Maguire might... might Maguire did to, it longer. Yeah, and I think He did Maguire, it for like 12 years maybe between Oakland be and St. I don't Louis. Know, because he was hitting... He hit 40 home runs in his rookie but, year, but right. I don't know. But then if you want to talk about that, then why is Edgar Martinez... Why did it take him so long? I know he didn't have the home run totals that Maguire did, but Maguire would never... You would never disguise him with a gold glove first baseman. No. Or, or Sammy Sosa with a with a top-end right fielder. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that momentum is gaining. I don't know if they'll get in within the 10 years on the ballot, but I think this momentum at least shows that when they're on that senior ballot or whatever it is, after your 10 years is up, I think writers, especially in a couple years, will get will put them in. And then you're going to start seeing David Ortiz. Once David Ortiz gets in, all hell breaks loose. Because they, there was te- evidence of him failing a test. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds never failed a test. We just know them as, a, as guilty associates. Test. No, he did. He felt. I thought he didn't fail a it was, test. No, they, he they, did. It wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be made public. He was on the same. He was on the same list with Ortiz and Ramirez. The Balco the, thing. The two. No, the two thousand two one where uh, they were doing an anonymous one, but it was never supposed to come out as public. Oh, and okay. that's how those. And that's and once it did, Ortiz was on that list. A Rod was on that list. Manny was on that list. Well, Manny's not going to be in. No. But well, because he failed it again twice. Well, he's a pure hitter. Though. I think it. Manny Ramirez should think, be a Hall of Famer as well. I to think be the honest. major thing about seeing guys like Ortiz and A Rod is now Ortiz was loved in Boston. I don't know how, and and amongst baseball writers, but I don't know how much he was universally loved. But seeing him on Fox 
as a from a Yankee fan, he's a likable guy, and I think you. See I mean, where, seeing him on Fox, ever even Yankees fans were trying to give away a run. Thought he was the biggest asshole. He's had the biggest PR turnaround of ever. This is the greatest comeback in the history of sports and public relations. He's on yeah. ESPN. He's doing uh, football games yeah, he, and shit. Yeah, he. I mean, he. He is everywhere, and there's a lot of people that don't want to hear it, but he calling Sunday night, the national broadcast, being in tune with this wave of players, being we're still working for the Yankees, going on Fox doing post postseason World Series coverage. The guy is becoming a personality, and soon they're just going to say, "Wow, you know, you're not going to remember him as the guy that sued his own team in the Major League Baseball Players Association." You're going to remember- put in my application for a Rod Corp. You you have to, but no, I mean it's very interesting to see where this wave is going. But I definitely applaud the the writers for putting in four very deserving candidates and finally putting a unanimous candidate in who was deserving. Absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up the Hall of Fame talk. We'll talk about a few players that are actually currently still playing but don't have a team. Don't really have to go much into this because we seems like we do it every week. Harper, Machado, Kimbrel, and Keuchel still have not signed amongst others. It's crazy. Yep, that's really all you can say. We're less than three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Which is huge for Keuchel as well as Campbell. I mean, we saw this with Arietta last year. He started spring training not on a team. I think we're I think we're either headed I think we're headed towards a work stoppage or something. We are. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think these guys are still gonna sign for deals and we're gonna be like, Wow, that was out there. I mean, you're seeing the Padres now, the Braves are kicking around on Machado. I still think it's gonna be I still think the Phillies are getting Harper and one of Keuchel and, or Kimbrell, if not both. And I still think it's it's White Sox or Yankees. a team. I, I, I really don't think so. It doesn't sound like they're even in on him anymore. Oh, I mean, stop. They're going to have to wait until – they're going to have to see if it, if they if they really – it's just going to hit a breaking point. It, it, the, I, I don't, I'm so tired of speculating about it. It's like just sign with the team. I'm not even halfway expecting it to be the Yankees. And just get on with it. It'll be a nice, pleasant surprise. But let's move on to a player that actually signed. And we were talking about Starling Marte last week. You were even joking around about Harper going out there. But I think they made the best move available. And that is the Dodgers going out and getting a guy who was in the MVP conversation before he got hurt last year. And that's AJ Pollock. He's a great player. Awesome signing for them. I mean, and, and that's good because that puts Taylor in left in his natural position. And it puts Bellinger in right, which you said, and I agree, is much better in right field than he is center. Yeah, and you could put Muncie at first if you want or platoon him with uh, with their other catcher there, Barnes. But what this really does that's so important for them is it gives them a legitimate righty bat too. Yeah. You know, they're very lefty. He can, they'll put you him know, right at number after, two and he'll be great. Yeah, after giving away um, Puig, uh, Puig and, and, and Kemp, they, they had a big right-handed gap now in their lineup. And, and you also have Jock Peterson, who is apparently on the trading block. They still might move, but I think he's a valuable piece for them because he can play a couple different positions. And he's a really good left fielder as well. Really good left fielder, and he's got a lot of pop. So, I mean, this is a team now that's they're ready to go. They, they've, they've done their heavy lifting for the offseason, and unless Harper or Machado falls in their lap, they're out of those sweepstakes. And the other move to talk about, too, the Mets just continue. I texted this to you Friday. The Mets just have had a tremendous offseason. They signed Justin Wilson, left-handed reliever, to a two-year deal. From Detroit, right? Well, he yeah, he came over. The The Tigers traded him to the Cubs, and the Cubs had him. Um, he was one of the big deadline deals last year. 
in 2017 because they had him a year. And actually, the Yankees had him in 2015. I remember that. And then he was in the Chad Green and uh, Louis Sessa deal to Detroit. And his problem has always been uh, location. He walks a lot of guys, but he's got a dominant power sinker from the left side. When he's on, he's very tough to hit. The Cubs gave up a couple top-end prospects prospects to get him candelario who's a uh who's a good prospect uh third base for the um detroit tigers they had to give them him away for uh for wilson so two-year deal uh, i think it was around 18 million 17 million the mets uh, i'm telling you that look out for them they are they have had if if their deals work out and everybody goes in and and does their job this is going to be a great team you now have a bullpen Front line by Edwin Diaz at closer with Jairus Familia and Justin Wilson now in the back end with probably a Robert Gazelman too or a Seth Lugo. Really good offseason for the Mets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take that. Um, so let's move on to some NCAA basketball. Nothing really crazy happened this week. There was an interesting game between um, an SEC team and a Big 12 team, that would which be, we'll talk about later. Yeah, yep. There was that. Sorry, there, was, there was the SEC Big 12 challenge this week, which I think is fun, especially in season. Like, get a little out of conference going, some home and homes. Um, but yeah, there were some good games. We'll start in the ACC. Things stayed status quo. Duke and Virginia continued to roll this week, playing games that were not all that competitive. And the bottom tier of that conference, as far as staying in the top 25 is concerned, basically remained the same. So, I mean, look, now we'll head over to the SEC where they there you had the SEC Big 12. And it was a tough week for Auburn and Ole Miss. I mean, they each lost twice. Auburn lost to South Carolina and Mississippi State, while Old Miss f- fell to Alabama and number 24, Iowa State. Both that game out of conference. So, it, uh, not a good week for those teams. And Auburn, who looked like they were going to be a machine, and I still think they're going to be a, a tough team come tournament time and even a- as the season concludes. But that was a brutal week. They're, they're going to. Yeah, they're another team that found their way out of the top 25. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't have a week like that. No, not at all. Not at all. So. After that, what do we have? Um, we got Kentucky and Kansas. This was the marquee game of the weekend, uh, 6 p.m. on Saturday in Lexington. And to be honest with you, this game went the way I expected it to go. Kentucky handled this game from beginning to end. And being in Lexington, having that home field or home court advantage, rather, Kansas just wasn't ready to play. I mean, Bill Self is a very good coach. I like him a lot. And they're going to continue to dominate the Big 12. But Kentucky brought their A game. And I tell you what, Kentucky doesn't shoot a lot of threes. Like They're shooting about 17 a game, but they're efficient as hell, and they also post up really well at the basket. They're a physically you know, dominant team, which we know they always are. But this was an impressive show out to me, and just knowing that they were at home, this kind of went the way I expected it to go. Yeah, definitely. And that's and K- not a knock on Kansas. No, I, not at Kentucky's all. And, and Kansas team. is missing their big man as well. Uh, it's a bouquet or whatever his name is. So. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky found their way moving up to number seven, and Kansas moves down to number 11 from last week. Uh, but moving on to the Big Ten, Michigan just barely beats uh, Minnesota at the buzzer this past Tuesday. Yeah, that was a crazy game. I mean, I was following that. I was like, oh, my God. They're, after that loss to Wisconsin, are we going to see them start to go down? And that was in Ann Arbor, too. So if, if Minnesota had come into Ann Arbor and beaten them, that would have been a really bad loss. But they were able to find a way to win, and that's what great teams do. Absolutely. So after that, and Michigan sticks around at number five, after that we have Maryland, 
getting blown out by Iowa. And I don't even remember the last time Iowa was no, good. Was dude, it the it Darren was, Williams years? I Illinois mean, you're talking about. Sorry, yeah, it was yeah. that long ago. I mean, Illinois has been bad for a long time. And they, they uh, Maryland definitely fell pretty far because they moved from 13 to 21. And when I you, think it was deservedly so. When you lose to a team like that, with also a lot of the other things that went on in the across the landscape of the league this week, you're not going to survive a loss like that. I mean, Illinois is going to finish in the bottom of the Big Ten. I mean, they have been for a while. Um, I can't even say this was a sneaky win. Maryland just got punked. And then yesterday was the big upset of the week. Um, we saw Purdue just dismantle Michigan State in uh, in Purdue. I mean, it was a 10-point final, 73-63. But to be honest with you, I watched the majority of that game as I was flipping between a couple others. First Sunday without the NFL in a while. Somehow no, I Michigan did not State, watch the Pro Bowl. Oh, me either. It Somehow was, Michigan State stays padded six, though, which makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Izzo's always going to get some love. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan State was really outplayed in that game. And, and Purdue was riding, riding the wave of the home court advantage there on a Sunday afternoon. And, I think Purdue is always a good team. I don't think you ever can count them out. How deep they go, when they get in, who knows. But they'll find their way into the top 25, I believe, after a game like this. And a 10-point game where it really wasn't that close. Michigan State, you know how I feel about them. I think Izzo gets way too much credit. And that team is not nearly as good as people think they are. They were a projected number one seed heading into yesterday. And I still don't see how you can put them in the same class as a Duke at Tennessee and a Virginia. I just don't. Finally, Minnesota, after almost defeating uh, Michigan, ends up taking down number 19 Iowa by five in Iowa. And they Iowa. found their way out of the and top And they found 25. their way out. Iowa has kind of been ping-ponging, going back and forth between the outside or the lower end of the top 25 and out of the top 25. They're a solid team. They're a tournament team. They could win a game or two in the tournament. Um, they definitely have the talent to do so. When they play their best, they're a dangerous team. But... Um, I think Minnesota might be a team that looks sneaky to play two games like that on the road, nearly beat Michigan and then end up beating Iowa. I yeah, they got a couple a players on it. They have a really good point guard. So I mean, it's like college basketball and in a different way than the NBA. But if you have a really good uh, senior or or an upperclassman point guard, you're in good hands. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that, and and that's how college basketball has been for a long time. If you just disregard the freakish athletes of the Zion Williamson's of the world. I mean, it's guard play that wins and, and, and yeah. usually can. And even if it's not long-term success, it'll give you a chance to win basically every game you play in against, um, against conference opponents. Finally, looking over here into the big 12, we mentioned Kansas falling to Kentucky, Iowa state ending up beating Ole Miss as Ole Miss loses twice in the sec. The rest Iowa pretty state's much at 20. Sta- yeah. The best pretty much stayed the same. In the Big East, Marquette and Villanova continue to roll. Tom, I'm sorry that was a tough loss yesterday for your Johnnies against uh, Georgetown. Georgetown got a little bit of revenge from that game three weeks ago in D.C. How would you feel about that game? After watching that game and sitting there and, and just getting completely frustrated with the turnovers, two things. I'm starting to accept the fact that St. John's will most likely be playing in the NIT this year. Oh, that's a bru- that's brutal because they got off to such a good start. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that I don't know if he's allergic to them. I don't know if he hates guys that are tall. Chris Mullen has never had a big man. And they got dominated by what the year big is man this on for Chris Mullen? Is this his third year? I think this is his fourth year. Okay. 
And, and he's gotten he's got done really well with the transfer game. He got Mustafa from Auburn, who was a top 100 recruit. He got a few more over the years past that have been really good. Justin Simon from uh, Justin Simon from Arizona, and he got Malik Clark the third from Michigan State. These are big schools. He's getting these guys from. Can you get a big man from somewhere? Jesus Christ! I mean, the biggest guy on the floor is six five. You're not going to win even in college basketball. Who, with that. Who's that big guy for Georgetown? Grant or something that was playing? He he was just manhandling. Yeah, I mean, it was N one after N one, yeah. and when your biggest guy is, it's not even close. And I like Georgetown. I think Mac McClug is a really fun freshman. He was one of my guys to watch at the beginning of the year. Short white guy out there, but he can dunk from the free throw line. He's just insane. And they have a lot of veteran upperclassmen players, but you should not be losing to this team at home, especially when you go to their house and beat them two weeks ago. And St. John's better get their shit together or else they're going to be playing on the NIT and I'm not going to be watching what them. What are your takes on Marquette and Villanova as they both play real, are starting to really play the way they're, they're finding their way. The Big East, top end of the Big East is really strong. Marquette finds their way into the top 10. They're number 10. And Villanova is right outside at number 14. They, took, they destroyed Seton Hall yesterday. Yeah, Villanova's rounding into form. And we knew that was coming. I mean, they have the, the number one point guard prospect in the nation. They have... A lot of veteran players, as expected. A lot of upperclassmen. And then Marquette, every couple of years, plays really well. So I'm not surprised at all. Marquette's a team that can knock down the three. They're a senior-heavy team. And when you, when it comes to senior-heavy teams, the, the right decision's always made. And they're really deep, too. Guys coming off the bench can actually play basketball. Chris Mullins should watch some tape. <laughs> so there you go. As far as the American, God, what a bad year for this conference. Cincinnati's by far the best team. They're yeah, not even no ranked. one cares. They have not even sniffing. They're not even in the um the little like to be mentioned or no. Or they're whatever. right. They're right there with the Pac-12. Um, yeah, UConn destroyed Wichita State by twenty on Saturday. Which I don't was even a think nice there's win. a. Pa- I don't. I don't think there's a Pac-12 team in the top twenty-five. The Pac-12 either. and the American don't have top twenty-five team. That's bad. That's not good. So, yeah, basically as far as college basketball, Tom, we just did an entire podcast without college football. Wow. Should we just have a moment of silence or or no? Just to get it up to the hour and 45 that we had last Monday's pod in, we'll have about 40 minutes of just a moment of silence. Well, that's all for you. You know I love my college football. <laughs> and when we start talking draft prospects and, and you know, going well, through some of the Well, that's why I love soon, college football as we well. We will start going more and more. And then when you have questions about guys, that's when you say, oh, right, this is why we watch those games. Yeah, okay, whatever. I can always just listen to uh, Mel Kuyper and the other guy, Todd McShay, too. But that pretty much wraps up this pod. We will be back weather-depending on Thursday for our full preview of Super Bowl Fifty three. Fifty three. Yeah, we're not we're gonna we're not doing a pod Wednesday. We'll do it Thursday. Yeah, we'll do it Thursday. A little bit of weather going on around here. So break down the break down the the game. We gotta go break Maybe down. we'll have some fun prop bets. I um, was just gonna say we gotta break down prop bets. I got one for you that's I'm feeling blue Gatorade this year. It's my favorite Gatorade and I think I'm gonna bet on that one. I think there's a proposal coming and I can't wait. Wow. Yeah. So okay. I'm gonna say it now or save it for Thursday. Uh, no, I can't wait. Tell me now before we go. Oh, I think Travis Scott's proposing to Kylie Jenner. Has to. Who? Travis Scott? Has to. He's actually doing the halftime. And there's wow. only one reason that he's doing the halftime, because he's not from Atlanta. 
No, he's not. So why? And and they know there has to be a reason why people are going to stay on. Maybe there's a prop on the board. I think there's going to be. That's one that's been floated out there through a couple of different outlets. That'll give my girlfriend a reason to watch. Actually, watch the and Super Bowl with me the instead point. of just sit there on her phone. And that's the point. Wow, big time. Big so that's time. that's my big prop bet, and we'll have more for you Thursday. All right, guys. Blue so. Gatorade and a proposal for celebrities that we I don't care about, but right. let's let's go with it. Here we go. Have a good night, guys. Night.